Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from New York, Joey. No chill, Prano. Hello, Andy. Good morning, Joseph. Good late morning, Andy Ruther. Is that fireplace working back at you? I'm the one to ask. Uh, that. So that is the back of a fireplace. Oh, okay. So a fireplace is on the other side of that. And yes, it does work. I'd argue can, fire fireplaces can, are one of the most underrated, overlooked, best things in a house. Oh, absolutely. It used to be it used to be like a I remember when I was younger, you know, when I was moving into my first apartment in New York City. That was like that was like a mainstay on the uh on the real estate like listings, like working fireplace, you know? Um, but yeah, I feel like people don't care anymore. But yeah, you can see if you see for, for those folks who are watching on YouTube, you can kind of see that there's an area behind this. That's my sister's living room. And in the living room, there is a working fireplace, which I am on the backside of in the weirdest setup of a house has ever had. She has like a she has like an entryway here. It's like a foyer, but like it's almost impossible to put anything here. But she's put a dining room table, <laughs> which I am sitting at. You're just holding down the fort. Just holding down the fort. Her Gotta dog, nice. yeah, her dog is uh, old and uh, a bit senile, uh, so he. There's a lot of, lot, lot of like intricacies with dealing with him. But yeah, I'm just here holding down the fort, holding down the dog while she's gone, playing that. You know, doing a little suburban cosplay. I've got a, I've got two different black SUVs outside. Oh yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it's like in the suburbs of Cincinnati, but in these uh, in these suburban areas around New York, everybody's got a gigantic SUV, you know, and you're driving around these country roads. No one's ever hauling anything in these SUVs. They just need big cars. Yeah, they should have a Prius. I am. Uh, I am total team suburban life at this point. It's, it's you know, there's the there's the pros and cons. Of the suburban life, but I, you know, at this point, I am like, I'm feeling it. You know, you get, yeah. you get, you get away <laughs> for a little. Got the yard, got the just the 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 peacefulness of being away from shit. I don't know. We'll see. I'm like the most dad, non dad ever. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's me 100%. Yesterday, I co my, my buddy called me. You know, obviously, I have baseball coaching experience. He's like, listen, I got to coach my kids' Little League game. I'm an assistant coach. My head coach is out of town, so I'm taking over. He's like, you got to come and uh, help me coach this Little League game. And I got to say. So you wait. So you came in. 
I came in special I consultant, mean, Joe Prano, special consultant. And, you know, I've coached pretty high level youth baseball at this point. You know, I was a state champion, high school baseball coach here in New York, obviously coached a lot of high school teams in California, which older dirt balls or longer, longer standing dirt balls know about this. I was brought in. I think this, I mean, I've helped out also, you know, a Chris wild little league game, a Chris wild youth basketball game before, but never in the, like you're on the staff. So this is the first time I had ever coached a little league game and I might've taken it. I mean, I didn't take it too seriously in terms of like winning and losing, but I played some of my same mind games that I would play with like umpires and shit when I was coaching at a higher level. And I basically, I, I ended up basically calling the game. Like, so I go out there and so, there's this. So how old are the kids? Eight. Okay. So, so second or third grade. Yeah. So I go out there and immediately I was like, these kids suck. Like this is going to be zero, zero. Like I, it'll be remarkable if anybody gets a hit in this baseball game. But there, there's this 16 year old kid, 16 year old dork with braces who is the fucking umpire. Well, and I go, know, and I, and I make sense. And he's standing behind home plate or he's, sorry, he's standing behind the pitcher's mound. And he's like, you know, he's got like, like Gen Z jeans on and like, you know, he's dressed like Crystalia. Like it's wait, you know, wait a second. So he's umping in jeans. Oh, upping in jeans. First and of like, all, that's very questionable. And like white jeans with white socks and really oh. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear to God. And really nice high top Nikes where I was like, bro. bro. And I, so I, dude, I, I am a kind of a legendary uh, manager when it comes to dealing with umpires. Like I play all kinds of mind games. I make them think I like them and then use them to my advantage. So I was, I went out and introduced myself. None of the coaches are introduced because they're all talking. So I just went out. I was like, what's up blue. And he's like, Hey, how's it going? And I was like, like, what's up white. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) I go, we got to get you, we got to get you some not, not as nice sneakers. If you're going to be trolling around here in the dirt. I was like, those are too nice to be walking in the dirt all day. He's like, I know it's a bad decision. I was like, yeah. So I was like, well, uh, you know, just t- tell me any. Ru-. I was like, it's my first time with this age group. Tell me any rules I need to know. And he's like, well, I don't really know. It's my first time with this age group, too. I was like, ah, it's all good. So <clears throat> first inning starts. And this guy is calling the worst strike zone I've ever seen. I mean, it's like Angel Hernandez on fucking steroids. So he's calling this all these pitches like above these kids head. Right. And so after the first inning. Well, luckily, uh, I think that, yeah, we were up in the first, we were up in the top of the first bottom of the first. I let it go. I let the high calls go again on the way to the top of the second. When we're up, I go out there. I'm like, Hey, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. You're buttering them up. Yeah. But I'm like, these kids are eight. They can't hit a pitch above their fucking hands, like shoulder high and above. I was like, dude, the, my only request here is you gotta you gotta sort out this uh, high strike zone. He's like, you're right, you're right. Yeah, you gotta I gotta bring it down. I was like, All right, I already own this kid. So <laughs> then the rest of the game, he's like clearly questioning his calls. So when we're up, I'm just standing outside of the dugout, and or actually when they're up, when we're up, whatever, and I will just. Before he can yell, because he's also like kind of skittish. So he'd be like, uh, uh, ball, uh, uh, strike. It was always before he could even say anything, I would react the way I wanted to. So if our kid was pitching, 
and he threw it and it was close. I'd be like, that's a strike right there. That away. And then he would be like, uh, 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 strike. I just ended up basically making the calls for the whole game from in front of our dugout. It was glorious. We won five, two. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then I was going out doing, you know, my going out, talk to my, my buddy who is head coach was like, I'm going to go talk to pitcher. I was like, you don't know what you're doing. Let me handle this. I would go out and just give him pep talks. I mean, yeah, I miss it, dude. I miss not it. Not in the uniform, are you? No, not in uniform. And then a lot of people are like, which one's your kid? I'm like, none of them. Which I think was off-putting to some people. Me walking around with this mustache, not, not actually related to any of these kids. But the mustache gives you clout with the umpire. Yeah, gives me gives you clout on a baseball field in general. Oh, 100%. You're there in Matt's hat and sunglasses. They're like, is Keith Hernandez the first base coach for this team? <laughs> Well, I'm glad that the kid would at least mold his strike zone because these umps now, and we've talked about it at length, especially at major league level, they want to be a part of the game. No one paying for a major league baseball game is there to see an ump. They're there to see the players. And and these guys like an Angel Hernandez. Did you see the Angel Hernandez Schwarber thing the other day? Yeah, of course. Out of control. That whole game, too. I mean, I was watching because it was Sunday Night Baseball. But we have Just, problems with him every goddamn year. Yeah. And, you know, shout out. He's a Yankee fan. And, uh, you know, I guess he's got competing podcasts right over. John Boy does the best recaps. And yeah. he made a great point in his recap. And I'm, and I'm desperate for uh, my, my one criticism of John Boy is back in the day before he became so corporate. He would get these recaps out in like 15 minutes. Now it's like two days later, but he made a great point in his Angel Hernandez, Phillies, Schwarber, Sunday Night Baseball commentary, which was the union protects these guys. It's a lot like shitty cops. You know what I mean? Yeah, you you can be shitty and you still get it. But he he made a great point, which is. If if he's unqualified to call balls and strikes, Fine. Let him keep his job. But you only fucking ump third base. Your yeah. only job is the three plays a game that happen at third base. Uh, you know, f- fair foul down the left field line and the occasional check swing call. Like if you're the third base umpire, you have absolutely no fucking duties, basically. And they're like, if you're going to protect him, then just and, and let him keep his job. That's his only job. He's you, not qualified to call balls and strikes. Do you think there's any part? strategically by major league baseball that says the universal consensus on this guy is that he sucks. It's from the players, from the coaches, from the fans, but it's also generating clicks, stories, social media. Do you think they're that smart or they're just inept? I I think they're just inept. And like, again, like, like cops, like, teachers like whatever like the super bad ones exist because unions are too fucking strong and, and they protect them and they protect him but i thought it was a great point like then just don't let him call balls and strikes because uh, also he brought up in that recap which people remember from a couple of years ago angel hernandez like sued major league baseball because they wouldn't let him um, playoff games and the league just came back with we're not discriminating against you you just suck at your job yeah and we don't want you, we don't want you even involved in games that have tons of meaning 
and also tons of eyes on them. So if Major League Baseball is already saying that, you know, the um, like umpires, the umpire union should be better and be like, fuck it. Let's just stuff this guy, you know, at second or third base every game. Sure. I'm sure that I'm sure the pay is the same. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'd, I'd assume, right? Yeah, because there's four guys and I believe there's always like a backup guy too, in case. Sure. Somebody goes down. So I think in regular games, there's like four, maybe five guys in the stadium. And, and that's the thing in the three game series, they'll rotate, you know, there's a crew chief yeah. and one guy, you know, and then they rotate where they are. So it's like, if you got four guys, most series are three games long. You know, if you got four guys, just, he never has to rotate behind the plate. Well, they clearly have no clue what they're doing across all areas and they're not going to change. Baseball's not going to change. They're so clueless. Like we said, nobody is paying to see this. I can't really say if we're talking NBA, like we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs right now. Like this isn't an issue. There's questionable calls every game, of course, and players will bitch and moan. But when I watch NBA playoff games, they are smooth. There's none of this is what I'm saying. Now, Now, I can't say the same for football, obviously, there's always questionable calls in the NFL, but here's what I always think is interesting. And I'm sure this point's been made before. I don't really know many refs. Like, like, you know, the name Angel Hernandez is my point. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't know his name. I know Angel Hernandez, you know, Cowboy Joe West, you know, fucking Adam Hamari. There's so many guys whose names, you know, just from their absolute incompetence. And that's my point. I, I can't, I can't reel off a bunch of, NBA officials. I can't reel off maybe one or two NFL refs. I know your name because you're bad at your job, right? Not because you're good at your job, because you're bad at your job. Now your Mets are in the middle of some turmoil of their own, not within the team, but with major league baseball, with other teams, you guys keep getting a hit. Yeah. And there's a lot of layers to this. And, you know, uh, I've I've seen sort of the complaints from other teams that they're playing that are bitching about their reaction. But it's it's one of those like where there's smoke, there's fire situations. Uh, The Mets are suddenly really good. The Mets uh, have a lot of guys who are pretty boisterous, pretty outspoken um, and, you know, uh, they're get those are the guys that are getting drilled and getting drilled up and in. Um, there's this uh complaint, which you know, even Chris Bassett on the Mets uh voiced the other day that the baseballs are shitty right now, that the lack of sticky stuff that has been banned combined with them not doing a great job of keeping the baseballs consistently, um, you know scuffed up uh, consistently like worked in. So the argument real quick is that the changing balls is causing lack of control, that there's a lack of control due to the, due to the, you know, the fact that they took away the, the pitcher's ability to put any sort of sticky thing on their hands combined with them not doing a great job with the consistency of the baseball. That's, that's sort of an overall league uh, wide thing. Now, the, what the Mets complaint is, is like, listen, we all have to deal with these baseballs. We all know 
that there's a little bit of a lack of control um, due to this baseball situation. Uh, so don't throw up and in on guys. If you want to throw in on guys, make sure it's low. But if you're going to throw up and in on guys, you can't then complain about, oh, a lack of control just because you hit a guy in the face. Yeah. I mean, Pete Alonso has been hit in the head twice. Francisco Lindor has been hit in the face already. The Mets are getting hit at it like an unreasonable rate. And it's not a it whether or not it's a quote unquote mistake is like saying I went drinking and driving, but I got into an accident. I didn't hit you on purpose. It was an accident. It's like it's an accident, but you you made a reckless decision that led to that accident whether or not it's intentional. So teams are throwing the Mets in teams are throwing the Mets up and in mostly because the Mets are good now and, and, and have a little bit of swagger to them. And then they're complaining about the lack of control and saying, well, we didn't mean to hit you. And then you have Nolan Arenado, who's the, the latest example of somebody on the other team who then the Mets throw up and in don't hit. And he flips out. It's like, dude, how how dare you have the balls when the Mets did to you precisely what you were trying to do to them and failed. They did to you and accomplished. And you're pissed off about it. You didn't get hit in the face. You got buzzed up and in. So what are you what's even your complaint? And this is happening kind of uh, uh, like on a series to series basis. The Mets are kicking people's ass. The Mets are getting drilled. The Mets retaliate oftentimes without even hitting somebody. And the other team gets pissed off. And it's like, Nolan Arenado, I know you're pissed off because you had an error in the first game of the series that cost you guys that game and the series. But kindly, shut the fuck up. Well... Your boy Pete Alonzo making some claims out here in the post-game comments talking about the melee with the Cardinals and uh, how it all went down. And, and he, he's mad because he's saying he got pulled from behind. He said he yeah. got pulled from behind. Genesis Cabrera grabbed me. By the back of the collar and ripped me down. Then the coach just kind of jumped on me and he says, I thought that was kind of cheap going from behind. If you want to hold me back, if you want to restrain me, go at me like a man. And then he continued to say, I totally understand because I'm a big, as far as the Cardinals protecting themselves, I understand I'm a big, strong guy. Obviously, the manager wants that protection for his team and his staff. I totally get it. And then this is where it gets pretty funny for me. Yeah. And, and you, for me, I'm a big, strong guy. They don't know my temper. They don't know what I can do. Sounds like a kid in, in grade school, a bully. They don't know what I can do. If I wanted to put someone in the hospital, I easily could. I was just out there trying to protect my guys. So Pete Alonzo is claiming he could put someone in the hospital with his fists here. Which listen, Pete Alonzo is a big fucking dude. But the bottom line with these, you know, and and this is this is sort of where I'm annoyed with kind of 
uh, well, in this situation, Cardinals fans is like, yeah, his comments, especially when you hear them out of his mouth, they're, they, they're com- they come off as dorky. They come off as a guy who's never been in a real fight. You know, they come off as a guy who is big, but like, you know, he's from Tampa, Florida. He's probably been a fucking elite baseball player his whole life. Like he probably wasn't scrapping in the streets. No, now he's he's a big dude. He's a he's a fucking massive dude. I'm sure in a, you know, cage match situation one on one against any given St. Louis Cardinal. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't looked at the heights and weights on their rosters, but I'm going to I'm going to guess that he's the odds on favorite in a head to head fight with you know, 95% of their roster. That being said, he, he has the total right to be angry, which is you're one of the big guys on the team. You know, you're, he's not in the, he's not in the altercation in terms of he wasn't the guy hit, but he's out there. Now he's got to come in. Guys are rushing in from the bullpen. Guys are rushing in from the benches. He's, he's one of the team leaders in status. He's also one of the team leaders in size. He wants to be in the mix and he wants to fucking, you know, wreak a little havoc, put his body between a couple people and guys ripping him down from the shirt from behind. It's the same cheap shot shit they did when they throw at him in the first place. It's, you know, uh, having a coach like tackle him from the like just go full Jeff Van Gundy and like hold on to him in the middle of the melee. It's like so now you guys are like hitting people, starting fights when they don't even hit you back and like sending out like weird fucking, you know, strategic attacks on the biggest players on the other team. Like it just it's pussy shit from the Cardinals like across the board. And the bottom line is like Pete's comments are dorky. But if you're a Cardinals fan, shut the fuck up because this whole situation is dorky. You know, like you're the ones throwing at people, hitting people and then complaining when people don't hit you and then having fucking soft ass approach to a bench clearing brawl. Cardinals, you fucking soft. Best fans of baseball, pussiest team in baseball. Well, you soft, you suspect. I want fights, man. Also, thank you for your thank you for having us in St. Louis. We beat you in the series. We have not lost a series this whole year. Get good luck in the central. Get fucked. We're running away with the NL East. We'll see if you happen to make it to the NLCS. I want to see real fights, though. Yeah, me too. That's why you shouldn't send a coach out to hang on some dude's leg and another guy to pull him down by his the back of his shirt. Let's get a real fight. Yeah, these benches clear. They all play patty cake. Come on. I want to see. I want to see Amir Garrett type of shit. Throw yeah. some punches. I want a real melee. It did remind me of a wild flashback. I don't know if you know this, Joe, but I, I am. I am the king of my mind goes to somewhere in my life when we're discussing something. I'm weird about that. Like I'll zone in on something. I was like, oh, OK, we're talking about baseball brawls. I got to share a brawl that happened within me and my own teammate in the eighth grade. It's completely unrelated, but I just thought you might like to hear what happened in uh, your teammate in baseball. Yes. It, it was related to a girl. This was eighth grade. Oh boy. We're, we're at Anderson high school. Not, not a girl we were both going for, but one of my teammates, this is, a, this is, uh, I forget who it is. It might be Bill Simmons, or whatever. He has a theory that teammates only fight over girls and gambling. Uh, I like that theory. It's a good theory. So it's a teammate of mine, and we had just had our eighth grade 
graduation dance. So it's, so it's the summer after the big eighth grade guardian angels, grade school graduation. And the girl who a lot of guys liked in the grade guardian angels, by the way, that was a baseball series this weekend. This, this past couple of days, the guardians played the angels. Yeah, that's a good point. So anyway, we had the dance. He liked this girl a lot. A lot of guys like this girl. They were dancing. And then what is this girl's name that caused mayhem? Was this fucking Cleopatra? Kim. I'm not gonna give her a full name. So 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 Kim had sat on his lap and he had told everybody, which was a weird, I don't know if it was a flex or what it was. He said he was so aroused by her sitting on his lap and talking afterwards that he got a boner. He thought it would be cool. What happened was everyone made fun of him. Yeah, my friend, that, that happens. So he's like, dude, yo, I was so aroused. I got a boner. And everybody's like, you got a fucking boner from a girl sitting on your lap. So people made fun of him. Then it became a thing where stop making fun of him. But me being the total jackass that I am, I couldn't can't stop. Res- won't stop. I can't stop. Won't I, stop. I, 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 <laughs> exactly. Being the bad boy that I am, so to speak. I stand up in the middle of the dugout. This is at Anderson High School. I remember the game. And the, and he's sitting on, he's not sitting, like he's sitting on top. He's not, you know, yeah. you have the seats. He's sitting on top. A lot of the players are. And I stand up and I just go, boing. I just did a boing, boner move. And he leaped off the top and tackled me and started throwing punches. And then we're fighting because I made a boner joke. And the coach, the game is going on. The first base coach has to run over, break up his own kids fighting. And he's like, what are you guys fighting over? And I just remember somebody being like, he got a boner at a dance. <laughs> and Andy was making fun of him. But it was a boing. And he almost just snapped. Almost. It's, it's slightly less embarrassing than Nolan Arenado getting starting a fight because he didn't get hit after somebody on the other team got hit in the face. Yeah. It's almost as embarrassing as that. Not as no. So, so that, that was my, that was my inner teammate squabble flashback that I had. And you know, it's about it for the record. It's all right to get, but I wouldn't make fun of somebody. Now, if you get a boner, you get a boner. Now I did unrelated, you know, how I go down these rabbit holes. I did unrelated yet related have a guy in my fraternity similar thing happened who confessed to everybody who got a lap dance at one of the strip clubs in east st louis not only did he get an erection he in came his, his pants. pants yeah sticky pants mcgee we call that <laughs> straight up ejaculated off a lap dance which for that i thank you because that that, that is that is not an easy task to do I don't think I could come from a lap dance. No, I don't think so either. I mean, unless that, that girl would have to be some sort of ma- magician. There was and, a kid in my, there was a kid in uh, my, I think we were in ninth grade and he can, he told a story. He confessed, he bragged. I don't even, I, to this day, I don't believe it was true. I think he was trying to be like funny and like be a little shock jock kind of kid. But he said that he would masturbate with raw bacon. What? Yeah. It, it is greasy. It is lubricated. Yeah. I think he was joking, but it took a life of its own. Somehow it became that he was jerking off with raw bacon and raw chickens. 
And, and so everywhere he went in school for like a week, people were like fucking like a chicken and like, <laughs> or like making bacon comments. And he fucking left school, dude. He transferred schools. Doesn't do it. It's wild. Like how stuff. Dude, it was like, on. it was like, it was like, it was like a week and a half later. Oh my and they were God. like, and they were like, Brian has switched schools. And we were like, excuse me. And I swear to this day, like he was like one of those kids. He was like, definitely like dirty and like talking about Jake. He would always say he like jerked off to his stepsister in the fucking shower and shit like wow. that. Like, and, but I don't think any of it was true. Yeah. He making it all up. He was making it all up and it took a life of its own. And suddenly he was being mocked so much for his joke that he transferred schools. Like, he, I mean, can you imagine having to go to your parents and be like, I don't want to go to that private school that you pay fucking God knows what amount for anymore. And they're like, why? And he's like, everybody's bucking like a chicken everywhere I go. And they're like, why would they do that? It, dude, he caught friendly fire. It was his own. He created this. Yeah. You got Pat Tillman. Yeah, like you don't, you know, no one wants to support bullying, but this was this. He created his own bullying. Yeah, it, it is wild at that age how something can just take off. There, there was a girl in my eighth grade class, and she was pretty, like she was really pretty. A guy started a rumor. I mean, what a like, and, and it, this is even more fascinating now that I'm thinking about this in 2022 with the whole gender discussion, he started a rumor that she had a quote unquote schlong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that these days that would get you fucking kicked out of school for starting that rumor. So he said she has a be transphobic. I don't even know why he started this. And here's the crazy part. As eighth grade continued, you know, how like a lot of times girls beauty, this is around the age where maybe the girl who wasn't the prettiest starts developing and becomes pretty and all that. Dude, by the end of eighth grade, she was arguably one of the most attractive girls in our class. And she had developed and like, you know, way more ahead than the other girls. And I remember we graduated eighth grade and I'll never forget some of her friends were like, she really has a crush on you. Like she wants to go out. That's what we would call it. Go. She wants to go out with you, Andy. And I remember just thinking like, I doesn't she have a dick? Yeah. I just remember thinking I can't go out with the girl because for the past year, and maybe it had been two years, the past two years, everyone's saying she has a schlong. Horrible, horrible. This is the guy who started this should be in jail. Oh yeah. I know exactly who started it, but here's what's crazy. Fucking but- cutter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. Him. <laughs> it wasn't him. But here's the crazy part. I remember seeing her like two years later when she was like a sophomore in high school. Dude, just banging hot, banging body. And never thinking like, and because I, di- I didn't go out with her. I was too much of a pussy. All no, because if you, were, the, if you were too much of a pussy, you would have taken that schlong, dog. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been our latest segment of random, dirty sports rabbit holes. This has been our latest segment of cancelable stories from from dirty sports history. It it is wild. Let's let's segue. We're talking about some of my stuff. We we got to segue into my weekly bitching about the Reds. I have to play this audio clip from former red Nick Castellanos saying, which is a wild reveal 
last week on Chris Rose's show that the Reds did not even call him when he opted out for free agency, did not even make him an offer, made zero attempts to talk to him, which again highlights the complete and utter ineptitude of this current Reds organization. It, it, it's pretty mind-blowing, and I'm just going to play the clip, and then I have a call from um, you know, a local Reds fan so we can kind of get into how bad the situation is here in Cincinnati. Listen, you, you spent two years in Cincinnati, and they loved you there. Right. Now is kind of an outsider. Is it tough to see what they're doing? I mean, they've, they've – no, Well, no, it's not because I didn't even get a phone call. What do you mean? The, the Reds didn't call you at all when you opted out? No. Were you disappointed? I was. So the thing is, is that I went in with an, I went in with a blank slate, right? Like I'm, I'm taking all this information is I, I don't want to have like a preconceived notion of what it should be. Right. Like I, I kind of learned that lesson from my first free agency. This was my second. So once that happened and you kind of seen the moves that they made, you know, they're, they're, they're cutting payroll, you know, but you started to see that immediately after the 2020 season. And they're not doing it because they believe in prospects more than the other. It's because really good guys like Nick Kroll are giving a certain budget and they're only able to work with what the budget Terry allows them to go do. Would you have appreciated a call from somebody in their front office and just said, Hey, Nick, we love what you did here the last two years. We're not going to be able to afford you. Would, would that have been okay with you? Um, say that again. Would it be, have been okay if the, if the Reds management had said, Nick, we love what you've done for the team in the city the last two years. Let's be honest. We can't afford you, so we're not going to make an offer. Would, would that have sat okay with you? Uh, sure, but, but I guess how do you know what you can afford unless you make an offer? Right. You make, you make whatever they wanted to make as an organization, and it would be your right to turn it down and say, hey, uh, let me think of it. I appreciate it. But So anyway – yeah, like, I, I, I like I liked uh, the follow up question and I like Nick Castellanos's answer, which is, you know, I, I played here. I played well. You know, I, I've sort of made it known that I like it here. Make me an offer and and I'll tell you how close or not close you came. You know, like like he said, you know, you'll never know what's too much like I have a feeling they wouldn't have offered him enough to stay. But I agree. He, I agree. But maybe the, in their mind, they're going, we think he wants this much and we are not going to be able to give it to him. But maybe he likes Cincinnati enough where he, they offer him whatever they can afford to pay him. And he says, listen, you guys aren't close, but I like it here. And if you can go up this much, sure. but the bottom line is, and this is everything that's wrong with your ball club right now. They probably didn't want to pay him whatever they could afford him either because they just don't want to pay. Yeah. They, they, you know, if they could have, they could have said in their head, here's a reasonable amount that we would be willing to pay for Nick Castellanos. But in the end, if they make that offer and he accepts it, what, what do they have now? They have a, a bunch of money they're going to spend on an outfielder and they're not going to compete anyway. That's, that's inevitably everything that's wrong with baseball at the moment, which is if you're not going to try to compete, don't pay anybody. And yeah. the fact the fact that we have a system where that's reasonable or that works or it's profitable is is 
bad. Sure. And, and why baseball is one of the many reasons baseball is going down the shitter. Well, I went for my run yesterday. I was at my girlfriend's who's right across the river in Northern Kentucky. And when I went for the run, the game was third inning. And you can see the stadium, obviously, from the bridges. And I saw one sliver of the stadium. And I said, it, I didn't see a person there. And I said, there's no way. I, I, I'm going to loop around. I'm going to literally run by the stadium. That's what I was thinking, Joe. Run by the state, run across the, another bridge where it gives me a full, completely open access view of mid third, fourth inning, great American ballpark, Reds, Padres. And I posted these on Twitter and I sent these to you personally. I mean, it's kudos to the Reds fans for not showing up, but it's also like a Twilight Zone eerie. It's completely empty completely empty they're listing attendance at nine thousand for last night's game obviously that's paid doesn't mean nine thousand people were there i'd say maybe four or five thousand yeah i'm sure that people who have bought tickets to that game or have season tickets or whatever i'm sure the the secondary market for reds tickets right now is like a fucking you know a mad max post post-apocalyptic world i can't imagine there's a lot of secondary market yeah for the reds tickets so, so so I'm going to play a call from Stolze, you know, longtime dirtball, Cincinnati Reds, Bengals fan. And because and, and, he's asking this question, and I think the reason I'm bringing this up, I think it's a, an important question beyond the Reds. It's for people who are in cities where owners don't care, because I think we can maybe jump into how you should treat that as a fan, because it's not easy. What's going on, Dirty Sports? Stolzy in Cincinnati. Um, this is kind of a conflicted dirtball call because, Ruther, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure you're kind of experiencing like the same kind of weird feeling where it's like you're on, like, I'm almost happy that the Reds are losing right now. And like, don't, and I'm not saying that in any way. Like, I'm glad the players aren't playing well. Like, I, I want the players to succeed individually. And I mean, honestly, and as a team. Like, I want the players to do well. But there, I just, I can't, I don't know what it is. There's just something so fucking sweet about losing all of these games in a row, not scoring runs. You're never in the game. It doesn't even feel like the team wants to be there. And it just, it stems from the Phil Castellini comments where he basically just told us to lick his fucking boots. I, I, I can't help but have some kind of, like, gratification out of it where I'm just like it's so nice to see that what you deserve is what you're getting because I mean I'm always taught you're going to get out of it what you put into it and this dude doesn't put in anything and he shouldn't receive anything he shouldn't receive anything out of you know fans he shouldn't receive anything out of the players he shouldn't receive any effort any fandom nothing shouldn't receive he shouldn't but anyway, I know I'm well over my uh, limit on this one, so you don't even have to play it, really. Even if you want to play a little bit of it, I don't care. Um, but anyway, stay dirty, boys. Well, then wrap it have up. <laughs> so, because I know you've been there, and, and, and my take, I agree with everything he's saying. It, it, it's conflicting. And I again, I, I have to say this many times. I, I feel bad for the players. I don't root against the players. But when you make comments like he made, of where are they going to go and 
basically he took a giant dump on the Cincinnati Reds fans, players, staff, ballpark workers. I I agree with him. They've lost since his comments. They've lost 13 of 14 games. Well, guys, think about this. 13 of 14 games. And I'm just like that. I love it. Yeah. Because, I, I, yeah, you have to. Right. Because because sometimes you have to get things have to get bad before they get better. And I think the only way you get real change, whether it's the Reds or any other shitty, shitty organization, is you, you have to reach the bottom. You have to reach the the hell point of just an empty stadium of fans not caring. Right. Isn't that the Absolutely. only way change and, well, let, let me tell you, let me tell you why you can feel good about ro- essentially rooting against them. Cause I did this with the Knicks with Carmelo Anthony and it's twofold. F- let's start with first, like, Oh, I don't want these players to fucking lose. And it's like, well, first of all, if there's guys on the team you like, or there's guys on the team that you want to see do well, root for them to do well personally, because Root for them to do well personally and the team to lose because then maybe those people will go get free. They'll go be free of the Cincinnati Reds. I, you know, people, Knicks fans, shithead Knicks fans, and God, I can't believe what's happened to Knicks fans over the last 20 years, but shithead Knicks fans who, who fucking just absolutely like devoured the Jeremy Lin situation, Lin sanity. And then had the audacity to be pissed at him for taking a contract with the Houston Rockets. I was ecstatic for him to get $30 million or whatever he got from Houston. Why? He made going to Madison Square Garden exciting when it was a fucking hellhole because Carmelo Anthony was pulling the team down the drain and the the ownership was pulling the team down the drain. So root for those guys to do well so that they can go on and get paid and get free and go someplace way better than the Cincinnati Reds organization. But two, if you're a fan of the Reds, like I am a diehard fan of the Knicks, your goal is to see this team win a championship. So if you rooting for some sort of mediocrity where they make money and then can continue down this path, but you know, for eternity is, is not the end game. You want them to be horrible now. You you almost want them. You want them to lose all the games for the rest of the year for the last 45 games of the season for not one single person to show up and the owners to go, fuck it. We are now not making money. Let's get rid of this team and somebody to buy. Look at me, man. Like I am the example. I am the guy. You are. Look at the Mets. Yeah, it's true. For years. We have poor ownership that don't care, that refuse to spend. We're in year, we're in the first full year, the first full calendar year with an owner who has money. And now teams are throwing at our heads because they can't stand how much we win. Yeah. It's glorious. And, and I know people will say, well, that's the New York market. But guys, you, you see it all, all the time from different organizations who aren't in the biggest markets where a new owner comes in. And changes thing. You alluded last episode to Mark Cuban, and it's true. Guys, a lot of you younger dopes have no clue. The Dallas Mavericks were the punching bag of the uh, NBA. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't even they weren't even an NBA team. If Until you can believe like along. in a way, like now the NBA was a lot less like of a global game. There was a lot less national TV coverage on it, but like the Dallas Mavericks existed on basketball cards to me. I agree. 
You never, you didn't see their highlights on fucking Sports Center. No, you didn't see their fucking games. They would never played a national game. If they, if you ever saw them live, it's because you you bought shitty tickets when they came to town because there no one wanted to see the Mavs. You can't name a fucking. You can't name. I can't name three players from the post-Cuban Mavs era. Pre-Cuban, pre-Cuban, yeah. Jim Jackson, who else? I'll yeah. do it. Jim Jackson, Sean Bradley played for him. Actually, I think that might have been post-Cuban. I don't know. Who yeah. else? I don't know. Did, did Finley cross over? Yeah. Michael Maybe. Finley might have crossed over. But but you but exactly Rolando Balkman. Yeah. Wow. Good good one there. But that's the point. You can have a new owner come in and completely change everything around now look at how fun they've been they you know since obviously the early days when he got nash and he got dirk but here's something real interesting that i looked up and this says it all this says it all right now for the current state of the reds the reds this year are on pace to lose i'm sorry to win 69 or less games which is going to happen nice so this would be the <laughs> this would be the fifth time since 2015, Joe, where they've won like 60 to 69 games. Fifth, like that's awful if you're playing 162 games. This would be the fifth time since 2015. In yeah. the previous 50 years combined, the Reds only did that five times. So, so my point is they're going to do this five times within seven years. When in the previous history, it took them 50 years to lose that many games five times. This what, is what's how- amazing about the Cincinnati Reds right now is your ownership situation is one where you're like, we need to bring back the Nazi owner because if there was one thing the Nazis cared about, it was winning. I mean, it's true. At, uh, essentially at all costs. It's true. The, not, the Nazis were committed to winning at all costs. Marge Schott was like, you know, in her office in like Nazi regalia with her dog with a Hitler mustache painted on it. But she was trying to win. She was. She was. That's and- a terrible, that's a terrible state to be in. It's a terrible state of the franchise. When when people are coming with bags over their heads to the stadium with a sign that says bring back the Nazis. You know your baseball team is in yeah. is in disrepair. No, it's so true. And to kind of answer his question. The only thing you can do and the only thing I can do, and I know it's not easy, it's not only don't go to games, don't watch them, don't listen. It's not easy to take the year off, I know, but you got to just take the year off. That's that's what we all got to do. And what you guys should do, and this is a call for all disgruntled sports fans out there, the bandwagon is open now and now only. You guys do not get bandwagon after this season, but the doors of our of Noah's Ark here at City Field is open. We are welcoming to all fans who believe that just new ownership can change everything. Support a team that did support an owner that came in and was like, I Steve Cohen's motto is I don't give a fuck if I lose money. We are going to win a championship. And that is like and for the record, Joe, why you should buy a baseball team. You, you, I know you've said that a few times and I know you're just repeating his comments. I think he's wrong there because if they win a championship, he's going to make money. 
Right. Of course he is. Of course he is. But his his thing was, I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I don't know if it's going to happen next year. But in the if I have to lose money in the process until we start, you know, until we become a championship team and we make it, we will. But he's a smart businessman. That's just talk. He knew he wasn't good. Dude, it's it's Mets fever out here in these streets, you know? Everybody's tuning into SNY. Fucking it's national news now that the Mets are kicking so much ass. Teams are fucking trying to hit him in the face. Yeah. By the way, I learned something pretty interesting. We've talked about owners and stadiums and, and I floated out a wild idea, which would never happen, that you can recall an owner if you paid for the stadium. I didn't realize this, but Ohio has a law which has been deemed the Art Modell law to protect cities. And this just happened with the MLS team Columbus crew. And it's pretty interesting. Basically, you can't just take off. They created this law after the Browns moved to protect cities from being abandoned by owners. And it's not the best law, but the law states no owner of a professional sports team that uses tax-supported facility for most of its home games and receives financial assistance from the state or political subdivision thereof shall cease playing most of its home games at the facility and begin playing most of its home games elsewhere unless the owner either one enters into an agreement with the political subdivision permitting the team to play most of its games elsewhere. So you have to have a locked in agreement or gives that political subdivision in which the facility is located, not less than six months advance notice of the owner's intention to cease playing most of its home games, blah, blah, blah. So basically it's saying you can't just get up and leave. Right. And, and, and here's the thing, Andy, if there's one thing you know about me, I hate Ohio. I do. I hate Ohio. I mean, I love that you love it there. Uh, yeah, I, don't you know, you, I, I don't think you hate Ohio. I, I, I think you, you hate some of. Could you try again? Jeez. What? Oh, serious. Like, serious. Like, did you just say Prano didn't hate Ohio? Try again. Jesus. Um, well, first, I, I want to add also, uh, I did a show the other night at the stand. For, I always tell people to come to the free show frantic at the stand that I do when I'm here. It's on Mondays. Louis CK dropped in. And uh, Louis C.K. went on a rant about hating every city in Ohio, which I was like, you know, no, we he don't did. Have... Louis yeah, did? he did. Yeah. What did, what did Louis say? Uh, I, you know, I missed I missed it. But at one point he was just like, I, I, I was out of the room and then I came back and he was just like mid thing. He's like, and fuck Columbus and fuck Cincinnati. Oh, and fuck. Man. And he was just like, and he's just naming every city he could think of. And then he ran out and somebody was like, Cleveland. He's like, yeah, fuck Cleveland. He's like, actually, Cleveland's okay, but fuck Cleveland. And then, uh, <laughs> so, but here's my thing is like, I, you know, the inner, the interactions with uh, Ohioans I've had on the social media, gross chili on spaghetti stop it uh you know this uh, there's a uh, stop going to applebee's um all the things but the, the cincinnati applebee's the cincinnati reds should never leave ohio i appreciate that they won't. they shouldn't they, they shouldn't and and there's too and, much history there and go, go get yourself an owner uh that's gonna try to win and if you need you know uh, a sanctuary in the meantime uh, I am officially opening up our bandwagon to all Reds fans. Well, well, I'm glad you're doing that. But also, I always say to people, 
most people, you're a sports person. And I guess it's easier for me because I haven't lived here. And I understand that. And also I host a sports show. So I just love sports in general. But I don't, I never understood how it was so hard for somebody to be like, oh, I'm a diehard Vikings fan, but I'm sick of it. It's like, just watch football. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's what's the biggest difference between rooting so hard for your team and just enjoying the game? I don't know. It's easy for me just to say, hey, I'm an, I like sports. I'll watch the game. I don't know. Was did you I mean, watch? Uh, did you? Sorry, I was going to ask you about Louis Setmore. I'm curious. Uh, yeah, you, I, I watched. I was in and out of of it. Uh, the, the room was pretty full when he went in. How how was uh, how was the crowd receiving him at this point? Great. In fact, I shouldn't do this, but I made a joke about him after, and the crowd didn't receive it well. And I was like, now the crowd is woke to defending Louis. That's funny. Yeah, that's real funny. There was a porn star on the show before me as well. They put up a porn star, male or female, female, like current porn star or retired Sylvia Sage. Do you know who that is? I think I might have jacked off to her before. I don't don't know. I don't know porn. You know me. I'm not a big porn guy, so I didn't know her. But everybody was like, that's a porn star. That's a porn star. So they put her on. I came up and I said, I uh, despite what my mustache says, I am not the second porn star in the show. Big laugh. That's a good one. Also, despite what my mustache says, I'm not the second guy in the show that'll just whip his dick out. No laughs. People are like, oh, I was like, oh, we're all in that now. That's also a good joke. I thought it, I, I thought one, two, it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be the Mike Tyson, like fucking jab, uppercut, knockout. The jab connected, the uppercut missed. In fact, that like, joke is funnier than the first one. I think so too. I thought, but I thought the combo together. That's a great combo. Yeah. That's a great little one, two punch. Also, it's like, I feel like at this point, he's, Fine with these jokes, right? He makes a joke about himself. Oh, a hundred percent, man. Yeah. Don't worry, hope but they back. were like, oh, and I'm like, oh, you guys are just such star fuckers. You saw Louis C.K. and now you're fucking now you're offended on his behalf. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Well, that being co- said, I have two shows tomorrow night, Andy, in New York. Uh, I'm eight o'clock. I'm doing Cuba Libre comedy, which is at the uh, Gowanus Boat House in Brooklyn. Uh, and then at 11 o'clock, I am in the upstairs room at the stand, my favorite club in New York City. So come see one of those shows. And you never know who will pop in. You never know. And if you show up, Joe, I'm going to speak for him. Joe will be nice enough. You introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm a dirtball. I like listening to dirty sports. Joe's going to say, would you like a nice, cold Miller Lite? Absolutely. I'm going to show my appreciation to you with the original light beer, Joe, that tastes like beer. I can't can't reiterate that enough. I mean, I think it like to me, Miller Lite tastes like Beer, like when I see beer in a cartoon, when it just says beer XXXX on the bottle, like an old fashioned cartoon, I assume that that tastes like Miller Lite. Yeah. I don't assume that tastes like a hazy IPA. Sure. What is what is this cartoon lizard, a dipshit? No, he's <laughs> drinking Miller Lite. <laughs> when I was driving home this morning, I, a giant Miller Lite truck pulled up to me. 
And I said, what, what, a, co- what a coincidence, but is it? I'm about to go home, set up for the Dirty Sports podcast, talk about our friends at Miller Lite, and here they are just driving beside me. You know, it's like he looked at me and was like, I know you're one of us. Well, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a long time. And he was like, he, he was like, I see that suddenly you're like a shill for Miller Lite, that, that Miller Lite has sponsored your podcast. And now all you do is talk about Miller Lite. And I said, oh, no, no, no. You haven't seen me in a long time, buddy. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> I was actually a devoted Miller Lite drinker for many years, standing them screaming from the top of the roofs for, for anyone to hear how much I love Miller Lite. Only then did Miller Lite come on board. This is the ultimate not sellout situation. I love Miller Lite. I had three Miller Lights last night with a burger. There's a very famous burger spot up by where, you know, uh, I grew up called the Blazer Pub. Um, and I went there last night and they have all these glorious local tap beers. And I said to the guy, I said, uh, I'm going to have a famous cheeseburger. Please tell me you have Miller Lite. He's like, I got Miller Lite in bottles. I was like, I wouldn't want it any other way. Sure. Please give me a Miller Lite. Well, to get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, just like that delivery driver was doing today, you can visit MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Pretty heavy show today. We got the NFL draft later in the day, but I don't want to discuss that just yet. We have a fun, exciting, and very entertaining NBA playoffs that we are in the middle of. Some series wrapped up recently. I know it was 3-1 heading into last night's game, but I really enjoyed the Warriors-Mavs game. Warriors clinched it. The Jokers, Warriors, Jokers the Warriors played a hell Nuggets. of a game. Yeah. Warriors-Nuggets. Yeah. Oh, what did I say, Mavs? Sorry. Yeah. 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 I, I, got that, I, got, I got that series in my mind as well. Um, but yeah, hell of a series. Even though it was 3-1, I enjoyed watching that series. I enjoyed watching yeah. Jokic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think the Nuggets ha- have... You know, um, they have a good future ahead of them still. I know Jokic is, you know, in midst prime, but they've they've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. And um, I think that they'll come back and be strong. And, you know, I like I like watching Nuggets basketball. I do, too. I like watching Warriors basketball as well. So thing, you know, it's funny because usually the NBA playoffs are just my lifeblood. And yesterday um, I got to watch the games in the evening and today I'll get to watch the games because I'm just so Mets devoted right now. When the Mets game is on, I actually go NBA playoffs during commercial break instead of vice versa. Um, Obviously that'll change as we get to conference finals and NBA finals. But right now um, it's amazing how, how I've got to like sort of have the NBA playoffs on the back burner. So yesterday Mets had a day game today. Mets are off. And last night just dove in full full head to uh, some NBA playoffs and and yeah I, I think we are shaping up for some uh, I, 
like exceptional conference semifinals round, rounds matchups. You know, I agree. And, and, and this is what I'll say about the NBA playoffs. You said they were going to be great and they have been great. I have been watching them a lot of times with my girlfriend and, you know, she knows sports, but she's not the most sports heavy person. And I, I, I literally thought of this the other day and she said, man, these games are so intense. They're so good. They're so back and forth, which to me, I think is a, is a sign of the level of play when you have someone who doesn't really watch it. But I have to laugh because last night when the game was on, she was not really paying attention, looked up during the Nuggets Warriors game. And I believe she said, who's that big, tall, white guy? And I was like, what? I go, I go, are you talking about Jokic, the MVP, possible two times? She's like, yeah, who is that guy? And I said, really? You've never heard of him? And then she said, this is you're really going to love. She goes, oh, I know the name Jokic because I had heard one of your podcasts and I thought his brothers came on and then you had to tell me, no, that was Joe Prano acting like a Jokic <laughs> brother. Love it. So she really thought the Jokic, remember the Jokic brothers? Yes, we appreciate your girlfriend, <laughs> Shamian, for sure. She literally, I think that's when we first started dating. If she, if she ever want to get Chinese finger cuffed by two Russian brothers, she knows where to find us. I remember she's like, ah, oh, I can't believe you got them on the show right away. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that was Joe Prano. Have have they uh remember they had the Twitter feed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking. It looks like they gave it up. Yeah. They, they need to bring I mean, it back. I'm, I'm, I'm sure when Elon Musk buys it, they'll be able to bring it back. They're like, also, Elon, can you make some characters on Twitter backwards K upside down U with line over top? This would be preferable Twitter name for us. We would like to be hacked brothers. <laughs> also, I believe they're Serbian, right? They are. Yeah. I believe they haven't been on Twitter because they're in the streets of the Ukraine throwing Molotov cocktails through windows. Yeah. Just causing, right. just causing mayhem on both sides. One brother's fighting for one side. One brother's fighting for the other. <laughs> how wild was that Grizz T Wolves game the other day, bro? How about that? How about John Morant, dude? Let me ask you something on the final play, though. Do you think he's got time? Because the guy's wide open. Do you think he's got time to pass for for him to just slam it home? What do you mean? So in the final play, he, he you know he drives through the lane. First of all. Yeah. Defensive breakdown, but gr hell of a play. Yeah. So he goes up with his left, right? And it's basically a two on one. And it, it's not an easy shot that he makes. Yeah. Especially with his offhand. But I forget who it was. It was right under the hoop there where he could have maybe dished it. I just didn't know if he had time for that person to make it. Now, when he made the shot, there was one second left. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's certainly time if there's a full second for him to dish it. Yeah, but I think, you know, it's... I'm not uh, taking away from his shot. I'm just, I yeah. was debating in my head, was that an even easier shot? But Yeah, sure. God damn. He is fun to watch, and that's that's a great I mean, him series. hammer dunking on people. Just like, at this point, like, does he have the top five dunks this NBA season? Like, I'm not joking. 
if you go, if you went like top five dunks from the season, all things considered, like flashiness in traffic, you know, uh, uh, moments in the game, like does he have the top five dunks in the league this year? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, if I was buying stock in any single NBA player, I would buy John Morant stock. It's a good stock in terms to buy. Of, in terms of accolades, in terms of potential championship in terms of marketability in terms of every like i mean he is the next nba superstar now if they make it through this series i do think they're just not ready yet they're okay i agree with you i think I the warriors would beat them in seven i agree with you i think they're just not ready yet but here's what i will propose as well I'm talking about John Morant being the next NBA. If he beats the Warriors, he becomes that superstar next week. Yeah. I agree. You're right. A lot of these, like you said, the look ahead series are going to be great. I mean, we're looking ahead past uh, it. Like, so the games tonight are all three, two. Are, are are you on my page with like all the teams with three game lead, like three, two leads right now, probably win these series, maybe not necessarily tonight, but what's crazy is probably the biggest doubt we have is the three, two Sixers Raptors series because doc rivers hundred percent agree who can't, I cannot believe didn't just take his lumps and shut the fuck up. It's a bad look for him. What he said, man. I, I I agree. I can't believe he didn't take his loves and for him to go back on his history. You know, you're the you're you're the lone guy in this history, man. You're the only coach that's blown three three one leads all time. And you're in the midst of back to back losses. And I can't believe what he said. Doc trying to defend his history says it's easy to use me as an example. I wish you all would tell the whole story with me. All right. And then he goes through and he starts breaking down each team that choked with a three, one lead his 2003 Orlando team, his Clippers team in 2015, the Clippers team in 2020, which is, seems to be the only one where he accepts the blame. But again, Dude, you're on this island by yourself. There's no other coaches on this island, Doc. It's just you. Take the lumps, man. Yeah. Um, you know what? You know what it reminds me of? The, the like, because his thing is, oh, let's tell the whole story and this thing and that thing. It's like everything that's ever happened in history Sports. has a story. It like Doc Rivers is going full Barry McCockner. He is like. When, 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 listen, I, I am a Tom Brady hater, no doubt about it. Like I'm, I, I'm a Tom Brady hater slash, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I, again, I, I like call to call you a hater. You're, you're I would uh, say I'm, a, I, I'm a Tom Brady truther, you know? Uh, and Barry McCockner is a Tom Brady hater. And I like, you know, listen, Tom Brady, uh, the tuck rules bullshit. And there's been a lot of cheating accusations and, uh, you know, a million other things. But when Barry McCockner will be like, Tom Brady has no real championships, tuck rule, 
uh, Seattle passing on the one yard line, uh, you know, uh, so-and-so is lined up off sides. It's like when you, that, that's what doc rivers is doing, taking one fucking moment, one fucking fact from everything and pretending, dude, you were up three, one in all those series and you lost them all. Like, yeah, things happen in sports, but you know what you could, the, 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 um, counter to his thing is like, you know, somebody could be like Tracy McGrady. Remember that time you guys lost a three, one series is like, tell the whole story, tell the whole story. We had doc rivers as coach. He's gone on to do this in, uh, LA twice. He's gone on to do this. Like, you know, the whole story is you're the consistent thing. You're talking about bubble. You're talking about injuries. You're talking about whatever the cons- the through line here is you dude. Yeah. And that, and that is the point. The through line is these are different eras. These are different teams. This is a uh, ever changing type of, you know, the, the game has changed, right? The game has changed from 2003 to now, just the game in general of the NBA, but you are the only through line. The only consistency is you. And the fact that you can't look in the mirror and see that, or even approach this situation, dude, you don't even have to address it. Just yeah. fucking coach. You don't have to address it. Instead, you're you're like, I mean, that's a perfect analogy. You're trying to go the McCockner route and just take the L, man. Like, like you need to take the L. And I'll tell you what, and you know this too. If they lose tonight in Toronto, the pressure that he will have, and also those players. Because this, this, here's the thing. This Philadelphia team is, he, you know, he talked about the, uh, the Orlando team. Oh, we, you know, we weren't nearly as good. Dude, this Philadelphia team is significantly more talented than the Raptors. Significantly. Yeah. For sure. Now, in the other series, do you think, Phoenix and Dallas win those series. I think for sure Phoenix does. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think Phoenix and Dallas win those series. I I do. I mean, they might, they might go game sevens, but I, I absolutely think that they do. Okay. Looking ahead, which series is more intriguing to you? If, if you know how everything's play out the way we think it'll play out. Memphis golden state. Or Boston, Milwaukee. I think they both have such intriguing storylines from each vantage each vantage point. I think more intriguing is Boston, Milwaukee, because it's the defending champs and a team that's playing really, really well right now, being able to potentially upset the defending champs makes them, you know, essentially kind of not, not a sure thing to win the East, but like, like I didn't really consider Boston. I know it's kind of unfair. I didn't really consider them true contenders. I think I had them, you know, four or three AB going into like, even this series. It's like, but if they, if they win that, then like they're in the mix as much as anybody, any team in the league, you know, um, Giannis has just been so good 
since the playoffs last year, especially in these elimination games. I mean, he shows up when he has to. Um, obviously, Middleton is hurt. Um, so that is the more intriguing series in terms of um, what it means for the league this year for a championship. I think what makes the Memphis Golden State series intriguing but not as intriguing is simply that it has the potential of being like the Grizzlies slash Jaws like leap into, you know, essentially contending for like God knows how long. Yeah. And you have the old guard and you don't want to say old guard, but the core of clay Steph, Draymond who've been to so many championship games, won so many versus the new guard. Yeah. And both teams are guard centric as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you think, I said this to I said this watching last night because again weird random thoughts that come into my head. I'm watching the games and I say to my girlfriend, "You think I could score a point one on one against any NBA player?" Absolutely not. And that's what I said. Absolutely I said not. I said take and she's like even even the scrubs. I said yeah, take any <laughs> even scrub. the scrubs. I said I I agree with you. I said no way. Absolutely, I score a single point. Absolutely not. Now, now, I might have phrased it, get off a shot. I think that's what it was. I think it was get off a shot. It wasn't a point. But you let's get off a shot. But let's go to the point. No way. No, honestly. The, and the, like, the argument was some of these slower, bigger guys. I said the reach. They would stuff every one of my the shots. Slow, first of all, the slower, bigger guys are faster than you. For sure. The, the reach, the closing speed, like the whatever, like... uh. Zero percent. I mean, like the chance of you scoring a point, let's say like, I mean, what are we talking about? Like you, you, you're playing a guy to 11. No way I could score a point. No, you could play 10. You could play, you could play 50 consecutive games to 11 against an NBA player and not get, not score a point. I truly believe that. But like over at some point, you're just going to like, they're going to check the ball up and you're going to heave it quickly. And it's just going to be a total. It, it'll be the equivalent of like, you will make a basket against an NBA player as often as the guys who go out at, at fucking halftime and have a shot at a million dollars from half court. As often as that happens, like how often does that happen? One out of a hundred when they pick yeah. a random person, like you'll, you, you can get up a, a frantic wild shot off and maybe it goes in. But like, if you played, any single you if you played the single worst NBA player in a game of one on one, like I, I predict somewhere between 20 and 30 games before you got a bucket. It'd be hard, it'd be really hard to score a point. Dude, I mean it's still don't you remember every the, time. Don't you remember the Scalabrini story? Scal some some kid yeah, challenged Scalabrini when he was a high school player, he was big. Yeah, when he was out of the league. And I think it, didn't he beat him fifty to nothing or something like that? It was something crazy. Yeah, dude. NBA. Here's the thing. You have a way better shot of getting a base hit 
off of like a big league pitcher, like you know, just like a wild swing that just like finds a hole. You know, you have a better shot of like catching a pass against a, a an NFL D back because he like trips or whatever. Like at the NBA is just freak athletes, dude. Yeah, a- absolute freaks. The last guy on the bench is the tallest kid from his fucking high school. <laughs> He's like fucking dude. Steve Nash is six four. You no. have a hard is he. Yeah, dude, you had a hard no, time getting shots not, shots off against me. Steve Nash isn't six four. Yes, he is, dude. He's listed at six three, which makes me yeah. think he's like six one or six two. No, he's six three. Easy for sure. Dude, you know who guarded Steve Nash in high school? Lachlan Patterson. Lachlan Patterson, when you hang out with him, is he's a gigantic person. Yeah. I didn't know he to guard Steve Nash. Talk about a mismatch. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be really tough to score a point. Well, especially somebody like that's a terrible example because he like a Nash would be too quick. He'd steal it from me every time or block the shot. Yeah. I, th- I think the best bet would maybe be, I don't even know. Dude, there I, is no best bet. Like a Nate Robinson that just like, that like they're just getting a super short guy that you can somehow je- like quickly get a jump shot up over. And it luckily goes in, dude, you're not scoring on it. You're not scoring on any single NBA player. That's like six, two over. Yeah. I, I don't know how. The only way, like you said, is you check the ball and you just jack it up. Dude, remember when we would play one-on-one? I would just like be like, take your shots. Like you get like, I'm just, I'm just I didn't have the energy to like take guard every single shot. Yeah. Like how often did you make a layup on me? Well, it's just too hard. Yeah. And I'm fucking, I'm in the bottom 8% of NBA heights. Yeah. Or the bottom 5%. The bottom, like most NBA players are taller than me. Like the vast majority. Sure. So the NFL draft is tonight. I'd argue one of the. Let me correct this heading into this draft. One of the least exciting in recent memory because of the lack of quarterback power, lack of quarterbacks, the, you know, lack of just kind of, um, Skill position players in general. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson doesn't really do it for me. Sorry. Yeah. But the NFL is king. I woke up this morning about 8.30. Taking my morning deuce. Popped onto Twitter. Already the number one trend in the United States. NFL. Well, you know, obviously I'm a big NFL fan. Um, I'm also a big NBA fan. We're also in the midst of uh, a great Mets season so far. But I fucking forgot the NFL draft was today. I will say I forgot it was this week until a couple days ago. And then I was listening to calls last night and we got a good one from Randy Ruther. Randy Ruther, who uh, was golfing this week and uh, hit. He holed out from 80 something yards. So he texted me as well. He was my reminder. He had like notes from last year's draft about. <laughs> he said he thinks this was the birth of Randy Ruther. 
he texted me a screenshot of like notes he was taking about who the Bengals should take last year. I mean, I mean, I mean, Randy arguably was the Cincinnati Bengals Mel Kuyper Jr. last year. Randy. They just didn't know it. Like that's yeah. the best part. He was serving as the Mel Kuyper Jr., which I would argue we all know the lack of scouts that the Bengals have. At this point, can we this would be a new campaign? Can we, we get Randy on the payroll? Can we get the Cincinnati Bengals to pay Randy? You can your satellite house can be where I live. You come in for the weekend, you do whatever works. I think Randy, I think Randy would prefer they put that money toward an indoor practice facility. (laughs) So he still is for free. Yeah. They put it towards the indoor practice facility. He's he's like, sign more offensive linemen. I will continue to work for free. (laughs) Randy. So Randy left this call. It poses a good question. Fellas, Randy Root are here. <laughs> hey, not even a Bengals call today. This is, I know, shocking. Um, Hey, happy draft day. Usually when you hear the word draft, you think, or I think, of the legend Sam Bowie. I was wondering who you guys would consider the Sam Bowie of the NFL draft. Stay dirty, fellas. I will say. Randy also exciting, quick, deliberate in these calls. Right. We're going we're, we're to get to a dirtball call later, which basically eviscerates all the dirtball calls, which I couldn't stop laughing about. But that's how you leave a call, Joe. Yes. Now, this is an obvious one. And we, you and I went over this before the show. Sam Bowie, who was picked second before Michael Jordan, and when Akeem Olajuwon, Sam Bowie, Michael Jordan in that draft. This is obvious, but to me, especially after doing a deep dive into this draft, it's Jamarcus Russell. And what surprised me when I looked into the 2007 NFL draft was of the top 14 picks, I would argue five are 100% surefire Hall of Famers, possibly six. And that's what makes that 2007 NFL draft pick of Russell. So insane. Russell goes first. And these are the guys, Marcus Russell. These are the guys who are going to make the hall of fame. Second goes Calvin Johnson to the lions. Third, Joe Thomas to the Browns. Seventh, Adrian Peterson to the Vikings. 11th, Patrick Willis to the 49ers. 14th, Darrell Revis to the jets. And Marshawn Lynch is 12th to the bills. Marshawn Lynch to me is on that cusp. I don't really fully know without looking deep into it. Yeah, he, yeah. The Hall of Fame. But my point is Darrell Revis, Patrick Willis, Adrian Peterson, Joe Thomas, and Calvin Johnson, they are all going to make the Hall of Fame, which is insane to think. And and I mean the thing is right behind them, two, three Hall of Famers. Yes. To me, that's what lines up with the kind of the Jordan Olajuwon, Sam yeah. Bowie. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's other draft picks out there who like fit this kind of mold, but that's a pretty darn good one. Yeah, and I'm gonna would- do. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw another one out there. I don't think it qualifies as high as this, but I'm just gonna do this because Randy. Randy said, uh, "Not a Bengals call." Oh, isn't it, Randy? <laughs> Kajana Carter, one one overall, two overall, Hall of Famer Tony Baselli, three overall, 
not a Hall of Famer, but a franchise-changing quarterback, Steve McNair. 12th overall, Hall of Famer Warren Sapp. 23rd overall, Hall of Famer Ty Law. 28th overall, Hall of Famer Derek Brooks. So one, two, three, four Hall of Famers in the first round. A lot of other pro bowlers in that first round. But four Hall of Famers, including the guy who goes to a franchise-changing quarterback, non-Hall of Famer at three, Kajana Carter, just for Randy. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one. Wow. I mean, I mean, he... That was when the Bengals had a streak of of just drafts. Oh, wait a second, though. But wait, there's more Bengals. This is a pretty good one. In 1994, what, what was this? Just a couple years after Kajana Carter? Yeah. They draft Big Daddy Wilkinson, number one. That's. I think that's the year before. I believe Kajana Carter, maybe 95. Okay. So they draft Dan Wilkinson, a defensive tackle from Ohio State, at number one. Number two, the Colts take Marshall Falk. <laughs> you know, now number three was Heath Schuler. Yeah. Uh, number four, Willie McGinnis, who had a great career. My point is, there was a lot of bust in that in that draft. A lot. Trev Alberts, Trent Dilfer. My point is. Come on. They could have had Marshall Falk, who was so good. I mean, also, you look at 99, the uh, the the state of Ohio goes Sam Bowie, pick Sam Bowie. The state of Ohio goes Tim Couch, one. Donovan McNabb goes two. Achilles Smith goes three. Just a <laughs> shit a shit sandwich by the state of Ohio. That's wild. Hall of Famer Edrin James goes fourth. Hall of Famer to be, if he didn't freak out, Ricky Williams goes fifth. Hall of Famer should be, Tory Holt goes sixth. Hall of Famer Champ Bailey goes seventh. Wow. That that yeah that was that was a full Ohio Sam Bowie draft. Yeah, it's Tim Couch, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Not about the Bengals, but it is. Nothing will beat that Jamarcus Russell draft, though. No, no, no. I want a documentary about that. I want to see what, like, God, I wish there was footage of a film room or Al Davis talking to his sons talking to Raiders coaches, scouting department. I want to know that back and forth. I just feel like what for sure happened at some point is Sam Bowie was in his men's league softball dugout years later. And somebody just went, Boy-ing! and he fought them <laughs> because he's really just upset about the fact that people would not stop making fun of him. <laughs> By the way, is that not the most Andy Ruther joke ever? Like, you know my my humor, but like yeah. an eighth grade Andy Ruther would a hundred percent think a booing joke is hilarious. Sam Bowie, five years in the NBA total. That's it. Oh wait, no, that's not. Oh no, sorry, that's not true. Or is it? No, it's not. I made that up. 
My apologies. Bill Walton, Sam Bowie, and Greg Oden are frequently cited together. All three were centers drafted high by Portland to fail to achieve their potential due to career-altering injuries. How dare you lump in Bill Walton? I Bill mean, he Walton won an MVP. And, and a championship. Come on. Now, granted, his career was definitely riddled by injuries, but finals MVP. Yeah, don't lope him into that. Yeah. Well, another Jerry Jones paternity news. We have to do an update. The 25-year-old woman who has who sued Jerry Jones has dropped her lawsuit. Wonder what back dealings are going on now. Now, she says, according to her lawyer, Alexandra Davis, that's her name. Alexandra has just decided that she wants to go ahead and proceed with parent parentage and DNA testing. She wants to remove any doubts that Jerry's her father not wanting any money anymore. Well, she, well he already gave her a shit ton of money. What do, you, what do you think Jerry's lawyers threatened? I have no idea. <laughs> right? Yeah. So she just she just wants to say she wants him to say, I think in public he is he is her father. You guys just go on Maury. Just solve this. Go yeah. on, Maury. I fucking told you. I told you <laughs> I'm not the father. Bam, 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 bam. Let me get a fucking McGriddle. Here's the thing. Jerry Jones. Not going to do it. <laughs> Not going to do it. Read my lips. Not your father. Oh, man. Oh, all right. Well, I do want to get to a call or two. This, this one's been making me laugh. This guy's coming out for blood, and this is going to fire up. The dirt balls, Joe. I cannot wait. You you previewed this on the rundown. I cannot. You said all time dirt ball call. Well, it's an all time call out. Yeah. I mean, he is going at the entire dirt ball fam in one call. I mean, just just lighting it all on fire, huh? This yeah. guy, he he woke up and chose violence. He chose violence. Let's hear it. Uh, hey, Andy and Joe, uh, I, I was just wondering, uh, what, what do you guys uh, uh, think is better, tide detergent or bounce? There's, um, there's a lot of, you know, bounce detergent. There's a lot of uh, debate going on, I, you know, non-sports cause. Figured I'd just put it out there uh, anyway, stay dirty. That's my impression of every dirtball call that has ever happened, ever. You guys all suck <laughs> besides me. I'm the, I literally, can you at least try to make it entertaining? Um, Andy, if you ever choose dirtball calls over NFL news again, I'll blow my brain out of the back of my skull while I'm on the voice. <laughs> anyway, have a good day, guys. Uh, condoms are for the calls. Oh, shots fired. What's amazing, I got to give him props because what's amazing is the way you previewed it. I knew he was going to take shots at dirt balls. And then his call, his, he started off a little shaky. I'm like, this guy with the, uh, but it was an act. His acting is, is great. He was going full Kaiser Sose. That limp was not real at all. 
He said every dirt ball call ever. And you know what this goes back to? <laughs> By the way, I, I knew you'd get it because you and I obviously get it. This is going back to last week when I don't know if you remember, I chose this over NFL news and he's just like, no, dude, he's just like, never again. Are you going to choose dirt ball calls? Here's the crazy part. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. God, I, I wish Skype would let you play older calls. I think that's Tyler from Arizona. The one you know that we know. That is, that was it. No. Is it not? I don't think so. Didn't sound like him. Damn, I can't play calls. Because this person's from Arizona, the area code. Okay. Okay. Maybe it's the other Tyler from Arizona? No, because the other Tyler from Arizona called. Got it. I don't know why Skype stopped letting me listen to old calls. Fucking Skype. But Joe, I have to ask you. I'll put you on the spot. What do you think? (laughs) I mean, he's putting every single call and I'm the guy who has to screen this shit. And I will say I'll, I'll, I'll speak. I'll basically light myself on fire before I let you do it. I will say to his defense, the caller guys, a lot of you guys call in and you're not really giving me much to work with. I do disagree with the randomness. Like I like non-sports calls, but I, I get his point <laughs> of debating different detergents because <laughs> <laughs> we do get some, right? Where yeah. you just go, what? What are, are we He's like? But that's the thing. But, you know, here's the thing. And I, and I'm, it creates I know good you're, conversation, though. Yeah. But I know you're defending yourself as well. It's like, I'm like, if this is the call Andy chose, what are the calls he didn't choose? Because <laughs> a lot of people call in to say. At the very end, they'll go, I guess this really wasn't a question. I'm just watching the Bucks bulls game. And this was my observation where then I'm listening to it thinking, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this? It might be time to step up to this. Like we, we might have to find a way to go live calls the way like sports radio does just so we could do the hang up and shit. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, listen, I, I think that is a good caricature of a bad dirtball call. It was. It was a great caricature. But again, heard- you, you pick these to go on there. I do. But I also think that you love it a little bit. You, I mean, old Andy Ruther loved to shit on the bad dirtball call. Oh, now yeah. I think new Andy Ruther. He, he, I'm a softie. He has a little bit more patience for it. And now he's like, you know, that is a good question. What is your detergent of preference? When I heard that the first time. This is how good his acting was. I 100% thought, are you kidding me? Is somebody calling to ask about our favorite detergent? Because that is something a dirtball would call. You know, you wouldn't be shocked, would you, if a guy called and was like, I don't know. I've been waking up at 8.30 and I've decided 9 a.m. Do you guys think it's better yeah, to yeah. get up at 8.30 <laughs> or 9 a.m.? Tell me where you sit on this. I love it. Now... Michael Majid. Majid, a professional dirtball caller. I don't know. We hold, we, we hold him to his own standard. He is following up. We've asked to do a Nacho <laughs> Helmet review. He wants to do this with Michael like, Majid's Nacho Helmet Stadium Tour. But it's not just that. He wants to already move beyond that. Okay. 
Cause I think we suggested this with, yeah, I, I think you did with maybe eighties or nineties movies, TV, whatever it is. Great. So he's, call, so he's calling about that. Hey guys, it's Michael Majid calling Sam's teleprompter to answer the nineties movie review request by one Joseph Prano on the nacho helmet scale. I'm uh, I'm totally down to do this as a solo review or even come on the pod, but let's not just do the blown away. I'm down to do it with others and would like to hear from the dirt balls and both of you on what other similar movies or TV shows to put in the queue. So DM me or tag me on socials at Michael M A G I D and let me know. Majid. I like it. So he's, he wants to start with blown away. Great. Which I guess I'll be honest. I forgot you had suggested. Yeah. The two the Michael Majid, the Michael Majid nacho helmet scale blown away versus blown away. Head to head, helmet to helmet. So jalapeno again, to jalapeno. You know what's sour funny? cream to sour cream. It was a year ago at this very week because I yeah. visited the last 10 days of April in California. It was this very week where he ate an entire Dodgers nacho. Oh, you, you helped. You helped. Okay. Okay. I helped a little. <laughs> I had one nacho and then I was like, we're still in the midst of COVID guys. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. I'd say probably the most overlooked funniest thing about the germs and COVID was the sharing of nacho helmets. I did a show the other day and this guy who was hosting the show opened up and he was like, during COVID, I had all these plans, like things I was going to do after i after covid was over and he was like i made this plan that i was going to join a bowling league and then we're all going to get matching shirts this is my big and I, I literally he brought me up next and i went up and i was like guys i can't go into my set yet i was like i need to talk about this i was like matt said his covid plan was to join a bowling league i was like my covid plan was to never go bowling again eating wings, licking your fingers, and then sharing holes of a bullet. I was like, this is where COVID started, guys. It's a bunch of fucking guys in MAGA hats sharing saliva in a, the bowling ball holes. I was like, this is the most reckless post-COVID plan I've ever heard. This is where COVID, that's, that's why we have new variants, because some people got COVID and didn't stop bowling. I have bowled a few times since COVID, I will say. Man. I bowl like Dexter in a fucking rubber medical glove. Yeah. Bowling is definitely one of the ones up there. You're like, I don't know about this one. Just like this chicken's really good. (laughs) (laughs) At what point did people stop giving a fuck about washing their hands? Like that happened during COVID. People, people, I noticed people couldn't even get through the pandemic. Yeah. And people stopped washing their hands. You know, I know this. I notice this every time I go out to eat, if I'm with people. Because even before COVID, I always went to the bathroom to wash my hands before the food came. It's just, again, germs. And I want to eat with clean hands. But I've noticed now, I feel usually if I go with a group of people somewhere, that it's me or maybe one other person who will go wash their hands. Yeah. And I and think, guys. What are you doing? You wash your fucking hands. 
I'm so much more concerned with the the employees washing their hands who are prepping my food. But I I agree with you. I mean, I used to joke like during I, I, you know, knock on wood because I know it's not completely over, but I still have not gotten COVID. And I joked one point, I was like, I never stopped touching my face. Remember when they said, stop touching your face? I didn't stop for one second. Like I never stopped touching my face. Like, don't touch your face. I'm like, how do you not touch your face? Do you think there's any chance? Because I was saying the same thing the other day. I've never tested positive and I tested a lot. I even tested. I was feeling sick again last week and I tested. With the home test, it's just easy, right? And I've never tested positive. But I always say maybe because I'm overall pretty healthy. I always say there's probably a good chance maybe that I had it. And I just never knew sure. the time I did sure. test. Sure. You got time for one more call? Of course. All right. We'll hear from Dirtball who goes by one name. What's up, fellas? This is Jew Boy. Uh, I want to talk oh, Jew about Boy. Um, MLB and uh, pitchers, obviously, with the Kershaw thing. Um, you know, is it right? Is it wrong to pull him? Whatever. Um, but is it against better judgment to sign starting pitchers to contracts, right? So they're like the highest paid of anyone in MLB. They're the most injured. Um, for the first three or four starts, you're only allowing them to go five innings to start anyway. So they don't have this huge, um, effect on the game. Um, is it really worth it? Wouldn't you just rather spend, on a position player, or are you just better off just having, you know, five or six guys in your bullpen that are each making ten million, which would be way above market, and then just having a bunch of just innings eaters as your starters? I wonder if that would be a, a take that a team would would go that route. It's like, why would you pay, you know, for the Yankees Garrett Cole thirty five million and he's only pitching five innings, or obviously the Grom. Um, so is it worth it to pay these starting pitchers when you're not even allowing them to to be the aces that we you know were used to from back in the day later? So the argument or discussion is the max. I shouldn't say max. Whatever the the, the large contracts. Is it worth it for starting pitchers? Well, I think you know it's crazy. And and at first when teams started doing this, I didn't see the purpose of it but now and and this and this truly isn't because the mets did it and it's you know it's very early but it's worked but i think the best strategy is like you know there is no there's no getting around paying these like you could just be like okay we're not going to pay a pitcher um but like i i just don't think loading up in your bullpen, spending a ton of money on your bullpen. It's like, really like you need starting pitching. And, and most, most importantly, you need ACE starting pitching come playoff time. You need guys who are just going to go out there and shove in the playoffs. You need one legit ACE. You need two ACE. You need an ACE and a half at the very least, if you want to win a world championship. So I think that this strategy, this new strategy, I mean, your, your reds, did it your the the Dodgers did it is these short term super money deals like the Mets did with Scherzer like the Dodgers did with Bauer is like you don't hamper yourself long term but you just go all in like aggressively all in over the you know course of the next two years three years four years like I like that play better than giving Garrett Cole 
you know, $400 million over 10 seasons, because yeah, in the long run, like how much does that value actually carry over? Whereas if you give somebody 120 million over three years, but you get one world series out of him, it was worth it. So I like that strategy. Um, I didn't really understand it at first. And now I'm like, well, it doesn't, you know, hurt you long-term and who gives a shit? Like, like we always say, it's baseball doesn't have a salary cap. So who gives a shit what you spend in the, in, in some sort of window where you're trying to win a championship as opposed to long-term when it comes to playoffs, you just need the good pitching. There's yeah. the, you can't even put a, a monetary value on that. That's where like, it's yeah, tricky, but, but the regular season, the argument, you only pitch once every five days or you only play once every five days. But the, the pitcher is the most important position. Is it? Well, I mean, I would argue no, but come playoff time, your starting pitcher obviously is has but, but exceptional th- amount of value. That's what I'm saying. It comes come playoff time. That's because, starting- because yeah, because you're not one of five. Now you're one of three, one of three yeah. and a half, one of whatever. Sure. And, and you're taking series leads in games one and game two, you have a guy to come in in game six and game seven. Um, yeah, it's certainly, and, and this is why you can go out and that's what, that's why teams always go out and get a big starting pitcher at the deal. But like without a salary cap, just don't put yourself in financial disarray by signing the guys. And if you can do it by saying, fuck it, we'll spend half of that, but we'll spend it over a shorter amount of time. But we are like, we are committed to winning a championship in this three. Like that's essentially what the Mac, the Mets did with Max Scherzer. They're committed to winning a championship during that three years they gave him. Well, something that's interesting, which is too late because we're already past that, would be an infighting between everyday position players versus a pitcher concerning contracts. Whereas everyday players say, "Why is this pitcher making as much as me?" I'm referring to starting pitchers. Dude, I make the same as you, and you play once every five days? Yeah. You know, where if they had had that set up, again, way before baseball. That's also, I mean, that that's that's a quarterback, essentially, in the NFL, too. There's got, you know, this guy's going, uh, you make more than me? You you never get hit? I'm in a, I'm in a, a medium-speed car accident every sure. fucking play? By the way, I'm not, I'm not justifying. I'm saying it's interesting how it played out where – if you go back before there was such a money boom, there wasn't more incentives for these guys to be say, Hey, pitchers will make more money. If you're in the playoffs pitching these amount of games or whatever it was. 310-359-8365. That is our hotline. Give us a call. And hopefully you make the cut. Hopefully uh, our boy, Mocking you, which is pretty funny. I would like to hear some dirtball rebuttals. I don't think there will be a single rebuttal. I think I think you might. I think you might be surprised. I think you might get a rebuttal from, you know, some of the callers that have been regulars on the show over the years who come with, you know, whatever. I mean, he said this is every dirtball call ever, ever. <laughs> and he said, if you ever choose dirtball calls over NFL news. He's going to blow the brains out the back of his head during a live call. <laughs> I mean, we Shots literally fired. Yeah. He must have been watching that girl from Plainview. 
too soon. I don't, I don't know. What's the girl from Plainview? It's the girl who was texting and telling that guy to kill himself, and he did. Oh, right, right, right. Lost. Bad joke. And I've been canceled. Okay, that is the show for today. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, The Dirty Sports. You can follow Joe at... At Joe Prano on all social media, except for Twitter, where I'm at Fix Your Life. I posted a video yesterday uh, offering my car up to any Met that hit a home run off of Steven Matz. No Mets did. So looks like I'm keeping my car for a little while. But if you want hot fire social media content like that, I'm at Joe Prano on all social media, except for Twitter, where I'm at Fix Your Life. Uh, specifically, follow me on Instagram. That's where I post in my stories normally, uh, you know, flyers for upcoming shows. Uh, I've got two shows this Friday, one in Brooklyn at the Gowanus Dredgers Boat Club or Canoe Club, and one at The Stand, my favorite comedy club in all of the world. Um, So come see those. And then um, lots of shows shaping up for uh, my return to California, specifically one I want to shout out uh, for any of you SoCal dirtballs. This is going to be a great one to come to. Our good friends. Andy, our good friends at Minimal Golf. I don't know if you've used your Minimal Golf bag. It's spring there, Andy. Are you golfing with your Minimal Golf bag? I have not, but it's funny you said I, I want to hit the course and, and get out a little bit. Our friends at Minimal have moved to a glorious new location in Redondo. Uh, they've got a half pipe. They've got two golf simulators. It's a really cool spot. They've built a stage out of like beautiful wood, and they've asked me to produce a comedy show there. So Redondo Beach Local. Chris Wild will be our master of ceremonies for the evening. And I'm putting together a fantastic lineup of comedians, including myself. There'll be golf. There'll be half pipes. There'll be beers. There will be comedy. If you're in SoCal, come check that out. May 14th at the Minimal Golf Club in Redondo Beach, California. All right. All right. All right. That is our show. Thanks to everyone for listening. Especially thanks for all the amazing calls that we received today. Jokes and jokes and jokes. All right, guys, wrapping it up. Have a great weekend. And as always, stay dirty.